He's the only one who can. He's a can-do God. Amen. Matthew chapter 8. It's where we would turn, but we're not turning there today. I've been preaching through the gospel of Matthew now for about 20 weeks, I guess, but we're going to step out of that today, do something a little bit different. It's going to be interactive day here today, so just bear with me. I don't like to not just take a text and just preach right out of it. You know that probably about me, but uh, we got some great things to get done today. Do this for me. Go ahead and pull out your worship guide. Would you do that? And if you have a pen or a pencil or some mascara or lipstick, something to write with, go ahead and work on filling out that part there. Even if you've been a church member here all 80 plus years we've been here, just humor the old guy today, all right? And just tell us who you are again. Whatever you can fill out on that, go ahead and do it. If you prefer to get your camera opened up, scan the QR code and and work on this. We're going to refer back to this several times today as I walk through this stuff with you. We're going to jump out of Matthew today, hopefully for just this week. I want to come back next week and dive back in. But today I thought it would be important, especially on the heels of last Sunday... We were in this teaching moment with Jesus last Sunday where these people were coming up to Jesus with an interest in following him, and he kind of thinned it out, right? He, he laid down the requirements for following Jesus, and, and those three were you, you have to count the cost, all right? It's not going to be easy. It will be costly. Got to count the cost. You cannot delay when it comes to following Jesus. Delayed obedience at my house is disobedience. All right, that's in my kingdom, at my house in Tuscaloosa, all right? It's the same way in God's kingdom in heaven, right? Delayed obedience is disobedience. So we cannot delay. And then third, you cannot look back. You cannot look back. So we're going to do something different today. And different's a great word, right, because that's our word for this sermon series anyway. What I want to do today is if you're a part of our Grace Life family, today will probably be a reminder to you of a lot of important things uh, I hope it's not brand new information to you. If it is, I've, I've missed it somewhere. Or if you're not a part of our Grace Life family, I'm so thankful you're here today because I think what you're going to hear us talk about today is going to be so important and so valuable to help you better figure out where does God want me to invest my life? Who are the people that God wants to uh, see me invest my life alongside of for his glory and in his kingdom? It was probably about 15 years ago here, I remember it really clearly, me and Pastor Will were on a plane heading to the country of Jordan, and that whole flight across the Atlantic, we were just talking about what is the path of discipleship for Grace Life? How do we make that clear? How do we really simplify that? And, and that, that, was, that was our journey across the ocean. And somewhere across that ocean 15 years ago, God just kind of gave us some clarity about that. And and that's what we've been doing for the last 15 years. It's just saying, okay, Lord, we are trusting you that you've called us to follow you and you've given us a very clear and specific path to show us what's involved in that, specifically at Grace Life. It, it, It can look a little different in different lives in different places, 
But as it relates specifically to our family here at Grace Life, this is what it looks like. And so I want us to walk through that today because here's my prayer for you all. I want you to be on the path of following Jesus. And I want you to be on that path steadily and consistently. And I don't want you like on the edge of that path. Man, I'm just praying that God would move us to the middle of that path of following Jesus. And that's the best path that any of us could follow in this one life that God has given us. So we want to talk about what that path is. And I believe I have a path here as a part of this church family, same path that you have here as a part of this church family. I also have a little bit different path because I'm, some people call me the senior pastor. And I really don't like that because that sounds old. Lead pastor maybe is a little bit better, right? Uh, and there's kind of a, a unique sort of path there. So I want to talk a little bit about these paths today. So let's start with what's the path of following Jesus look like specifically at Grace Life? And, and to know that, you have to start with a question of identity. And the question is, who are we? Who are we? And, and that's a great question to start with because if we get our identity wrong, then we're going to get the whole path wrong. If we get our identity wrong, we're going to get the whole journey wrong. And typically what we tend to do as human beings is we find our identity in what we do, right? I'm a mechanic. I'm a teacher. I'm a nurse. I'm a wife. I'm a grandma. Whatever it is. And churches can do that collectively too. Churches can begin to find their identity in what they do. Right? We're a, we're a friendly church. We're a caring church. We're a Bible teaching church. We're a, a missions minded church. And all those things are really good. But the problem with rooting your identity in what you do is that's very unstable ground to root your identity in, right? I mean, what happens when your identity is in being a mechanic, but then you can't be a mechanic anymore? Then you don't know who you are, right? Or if your identity is in this thing that you do, but you can't do that anymore, then your identity is shaken. And the same thing happens to churches a lot of times. What once they were known for, what used to be their thing, right, that this was their passion, this was kind of their, 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 their niche, you might sort of say, but now things are different, things have changed, and that's not the case anymore. And then you get churches, entire churches that are having an identity crisis. They don't know who they are. They don't know what they're supposed to be about anymore. And at Grace Life, we don't want to make that mistake. We never want to make the mistake of rooting our identity in us. We don't want to root our identity in what we're good at or what we love or what we're passionate about. Because all that could change, right? We want, you want to root your identity in what will never change. Let me say that better. You want to root your identity in who will never change. And God will never change. There is no shadow of turning in him. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We were never designed to find our identity in the mirror, but to only find our identity in our maker, our purpose, our value, our worth, our significance, our reason for being is to only be found in him. So as a church family, we find our identity in who God is and what he does. So then we need to answer that question. Who is God then? And what does he do? 
well, gosh, I mean, we're going to preach on that every week of the year, right? Who God is and what he does. So, so let's just kind of simplify that as best we can. One God, nod your head if you know that to be true, all right, in three persons, right? So we have God the Father, God the Son, and God the, God the Holy Spirit. That's right. We're in one big Sunday school class today, y'all. Come on, just help a brother out today. We have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That's who God is. So we want to know, well, what does he do? And again, a lot we could say about that, but let's try to simplify and reduce it down today. Let's talk about God the Father. What does he do? Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 says this. But when the fullness of time had come, God's always on time, y'all, by the way. Did you know that? He's always on time. In my opinion, he misses some opportunities to be early, but he knows what he's doing. He's always on time. The Bible says, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, echoes of Genesis 3, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that's us, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Do you hear that? This is what God the Father does. He sends his son into this world to redeem sinners like me and you by giving his life on the cross for us. That through no merit of our own, no works of our own, you and I might become the sons and the daughters of God. This is what God does. And Paul goes on to say, and because you are sons, daughters, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave. This is an identity statement. Paul just said, this is your identity no more. You were a slave to sin, you were a slave to self, you were a slave to Satan. But that's not who you are anymore. Your identity has changed, not because of anything you've done. You cannot root your identity, person, in you. Grace life, we cannot root our identity in us. It has to be in God and what he does. So you're no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. So God sent Jesus. This is what God the Father does. He sent Jesus in the world to save us from our sin, but not just that, but to adopt us, to make us the sons and the daughters of God. So let's answer that question. What does God the Father do? He adopts, and he's adopted me. I'm so forever grateful. There's no words, no words the human tongue could ever conjure up to express the appropriate amount of gratitude that Almighty God would crush his own son under his wrath that we might be saved and become the sons and the daughters of God. This is who God is. This is our God, the Father. He adopts sons and daughters into his family. What about God the Son? What does he do? Again, a whole lot we could say, but I want to zoom in on Mark chapter 10. Jesus is speaking in Mark 10, and he says in verse 45, for even the Son of Man, he calls himself that. That's a phrase out of the book of Daniel. Think of this, Son of Man equals King of the Universe. (laughs) He just basically said, even the King of the Universe has has not come to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. Here's what I'm saying. God the Father is in the adopting business God the Son is in the serving business. What about God the Holy Spirit? Again, a lot we could say, but we're going to nail it down to this. God the Holy Spirit is in the sending business. He sends the adopted sons and daughters of God out with power. 
to represent Jesus, to testify about Jesus, to be ambassadors for Jesus. Here's what Jesus says, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He's looking at his disciples dead square in the eyes, Lacey, like I'm looking at you right now. And he says, but you will receive power. We just stood in that room, right, Liz? We just stood in this room where the Holy Spirit came down and gave power to the followers of Jesus. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my what? Y'all ain't got Bibles? Y'all relying on this? You will be my what? Witnesses. I'm going to give you power, he says, for this purpose, that you tell people about me. You show people about me. You will be my witnesses, he says, in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit, this is what he does. He sends God's people out as missionaries. God the Father adopts. God the Son serves. God the Holy Spirit sends us out as missionaries. Now, we're going to root our identity today. This ain't today. It's 15 years of this. We're going to root our identity in who God is and what he does. So if God the Father adopts and God the Son serves and God the Holy Spirit sends out, you know what that makes us, Barry? We're a family. You're my brother because we have the same dad. Our Heavenly Father has made us his sons, right? So we're a family. But we follow Jesus. And Jesus said, I didn't come to be served but to serve. Well, if we're stepping where Jesus steps, that means we're a family of servants. Does that make sense? We're not a family that's looking around to be served. We're walking with Jesus. We're following Jesus. So we're a family of servants. And the Holy Spirit has come to reside in us to give us power to tell the world about Jesus. That makes us missionaries. So Grace Life, here's our identity. Not rooted in us. Rooted in who God is and what God does. Our identity is this. We are a family of servant missionaries. That's us. That's not what we do. That's who we are, Nathan. That's who we are. We're family, servant, missionaries. And that leads to the next question. Okay, well, if that's who we are, well, then what do we do? Well, here's the path. Based on who we are in God, here's the path of following Jesus at Grace Life, very specifically. All right? It really consists of four words. These are the words we pounded out over the Atlantic so long ago. Worship, connect, serve. Thank you, Greg. Greg knows. Greg's been going. Greg's been going out and being a witness, using his hands, using construction skill to serve the Lord, to build the church and other places. Thankful, Greg, for you stepping out of here and going out there in the world, showing and sharing the love of Jesus. That's what we do. This is the path, Grace Life, to worship and to connect and to serve and to go. Now, let's break that down. As a family of servant missionaries, we want to worship God with all our heart and soul and mind and strength. He's worthy, right? There's none like him. In all the nations, and all the earth, the prophet said, there is none like our God. And we want to worship him above all else. We say it like this at Grace Life. We want to trust and treasure him supremely. Like there's things I love in my life, but I want to love Jesus more. I want him to have the only place of supremacy. That's what true worship really is. We want to worship God that way. That God would have our mind's attention. Some of us, our mind's attention seems to swirl around 
other things. And it's okay that other things get our attention, but supremely, he's to have our mind's attention, right? And supremely, he's to have our heart's affection. There's a lot of good things we can have affections for in our heart, but the greatest affection is to set our heart on Jesus because there's none like him. He's worthy to worship him with all our heart and soul and mind and strength. And I'm going to just tell you foundationally, foundationally, we could talk a lot about worship today, but Grace Life, I'm, I'm, I'm just coaching you up, Grace Life. You're my family. You really are. I've watched some of y'all grow up. I held you when you were a baby. I've held your baby now. I mean, this is it. We're stuck together right now. I'm sorry. And so I just feel like I got some reasons just to coach you up today, all right? Because I just love you, and I want God's best for all of us. I want us to walk out this path that God has put in front of us to follow Jesus. All right, you with me? So foundationally this morning, when we talk about worship, I want to challenge you to think of it this way. God is a God that deserves the best. Don't you agree with that? All throughout the scripture, he's, he's the God that gets the first, right? The first fruits, the first this, the first that. Well, I want to challenge you this morning. Give God the first part of your day. That's an act of worship. To say, God, before I engage in anything else on this day, this is the day you made. I got other people pulling at me, but they didn't make this day. You made it. It's yours. And I'm still here. I'm still breathing. And so I want to give God the first part of my day. I want to meet with him in his word. I want to meet with him in prayer. I want to recalibrate my heart's affection and my mind's attention around him in worship. And I'm going to push on you today. If you're not doing that, let's do that, all right? Just a little bit of effort to start your day. Don't give him what's left at the end of your day. I know some of you are going, well, I'm a night person. I understand that. Hang out with Jesus at night. But there's something incredibly valuable about starting your day with the recognition of, God, there is none like you. You're a first kind of God, and you're going to get first in my life today, this day. Nothing is going to compete for first today. No competitors. It's you, Jesus. All right? I'm not talking about all day long, but you figure that out. All right? And I'll tell you this. Some of you are waiting until you feel like doing it to do it, and you're never going to feel like doing it till you do it. I say this all the time. Your physical appetite and your spiritual appetite are opposite. Physically, the more you eat, the less hungry you get, right? You find push yourself away from the table. But spiritually, the more you take in, the hungrier you get. And so if you're waiting to feel like giving God the first part of your day and developing that discipline, that feeling's never going to come. you got to behave your way to that feeling. You know what I'm saying? you just got to jump up and put your big boy britches on and go, come on, Jesus, me and you. Let's do it. And then you're going to find yourself wanting to more and more. So I want to challenge you. Give God the first part of your day. Then I want to challenge you to give God the first day of your week. That's today. Some of you think going to church is the last thing you do on the weekend. Wrong. The weekend ended at 12 o'clock last night. This is the first day of a new week. This is the day that has been set aside that me and Glenn and all my brothers and sisters, we get to come together today, Glenn, and we get to do what you and I have been doing individually all throughout the week, right? We've been loving Jesus, worshiping Jesus, serving Jesus. But today, we get to link hearts and arms together as a big crazy family, and we get to do that together. And so I want to challenge you to commit to God's going to get this first day of the week. He rose on the first day of the week. And that's why we gather on the first day of the week to celebrate him, 
to praise him, to worship him. Now, I know it's not always possible, right? I know work schedules will interfere sometimes. I I know that sickness is going to interfere sometimes. I'm going to miss a Sunday this summer because my toes are going to be in the sand, Dustin. You know what I'm saying? I'm just going to be kicking it down at the beach on a Sunday. All right, it's okay to have that time, but here's what I'm telling you. As a follower of Jesus, here's the path to worship God and to worship him consistently and regularly with the first part of my day, the first day of my week, and then with the first part of my income. Here's what's crazy. Here's what's crazy, Justin. God gives us everything, everything, and he just says, now, as an act of worship, you just give me 10% back. You keep the rest. Amazing, right? I love that. We give him the first, not what's left. Some of you hadn't got that figured out yet because you got life upside down. You're, you're spending first, and then you're trying to figure out what to save, which probably ain't nothing. And then you don't have nothing to give. And you're scratching your head going, well, I, I can't give. No, because you're upside down. You, you have inverted the plan of God for your life. You're not on the path. You're on a path, but it's the wrong path. The right path is, this is how you worship God. You give to him first, and then you save, and then you live, all right? And that's going to take some of you some time to get there, but this is the path, Grace Life. This is the path. This is what worship looks like, because he's not a God of leftovers. He deserves and delights in the first and the best, first part of your day. First day of your week, first party income. I had a great phone call that came into me this week. I'll tell you a true story. Uh, a guy in our church called. He and his wife are having this conversation. We've been, you know, um, people have been buying life jackets out here for kids to use this year at Shadow Lake. And he said, hey, my wife and I are having this conversation, and I just need some counsel because I'm not really sure about this. He said, she said we can buy a couple of those life jackets, and we'll just take it out of our tithe. And he said, I don't know if that's right. What, what do you think, Pastor? And I said, I, first of all, love the question. I love that question. I love that a husband and a wife are working together as one, as a team, to have that conversation. I love it. And I said, but, and I called him Pastor, because you men here know that I see you guys as pastors at your house, right? So I said, Pastor, you're right. That first 10%, that's just flat. That just goes to the, the storehouse at the church. That just goes to the general work of the the kingdom at the church. Life jackets and stuff beyond that, that's called offerings. If you didn't know that, that's the difference between tithes and offerings, right? So I love that. This is a family that is saying we want to walk the path. We want to worship God. We want to give him the first part of our day. We want to give him the first day of our week. We want to be faithful to give him the first part of our income. I love that. Listen, if, if you're not nailing that down, that worship down foundationally at that level, can you really say showing up here and singing a song is worship? I'm just asking. If he's getting little to nothing or maybe what's left, the scraps in your life throughout the week, can we really call singing a song on a Sunday morning worship? Grace Life, I love you. I'm just telling you. This is what the path to following Jesus looks like, specifically here at Grace Life, is to worship God.
Secondly, it's to connect to God's people. First of all, pull out your, your tab there again. I want to show you something. Here's the worship piece. Someone here every week. Help me worship. Maybe you've never begun a relationship with Jesus. That's why you're here today. I would love to help you start a relationship with Jesus. Or maybe to follow Jesus in baptism. On, my, on mine, this is what I did when I got my worship guide. I get mine earlier in the week. You can't see it. But where it says, I want a relationship with Jesus, I wrote the word better. I want a better relationship with Jesus. I want to I wanna be more faithful to worship him the way he's worthy to be worshipped. I, I, I want to be more faithful with that first part of my day. Uh, and I, I'm here, y'all, every Sunday. And unlike y'all, I get paid to be here. But I want to make sure that I'm here to worship, not to work. I want to have a better relationship with the Lord in that area of my life, right? So maybe that's the challenge for you is I want a better relationship. So the path is we worship God. Secondly, we connect with God's family. Since God is Father and he's calls us to be brothers and sisters in Christ, and I love my Grace Life family. Gosh almighty, I'd take a bullet for my Grace Life family. Not in my head, like this fat part of my backside back here, you know. Like I ain't laying my life down for y'all or nothing, but I take, a, I take a mean flesh wound for any of y'all in this room today. I just want you to know that. That's how deep my love for you goes. I do love you guys. And we are brothers and sisters. And God's called us, therefore, to connect our lives to each other. I've been preaching this to high school kids for a long time now. Before you can love each other, you've got to care about each other. And before you care about each other, you've got to know each other. If you will do the hard work to try to get to know a brother or sister in Christ, then you can care about them. And then when you begin to care about them, then you can love each other. And when we love each other, we're going to see God do something really special in our midst. See, I just believe the church is supposed to be a family. I know that's not real trendy. It seems like churches are more like franchises these days than families. But I just believe the Bible teaches that the church is a family. That that's the way it's supposed to feel. That interconnectedness among us. Over a hundred times in the New Testament is that phrase, one another. Love one another. Encourage one another. Bear one another's burdens. Weep with one another. Forgive one another. Accept one another. I love that. Jesus said in John chapter 13, verse 34, I give you a new command, love one another just as I have loved you. That's a high mark, y'all, when he says, I want you to love. I, Joel, love Miss Becky, which is pretty easy to do, Miss Becky, because you are nothing but lovable. He says, I want you to love her like I've loved you. That's big time, right? And he's giving you the same thing. It's a little harder for you back to me, I know, but... He says, just as I've loved you, you're also to love one another. And by this, by this love you have for each other, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. So just take a minute. Kind of look around real quick. Look to your right. Look to your left. Look, look behind you real quick. You see those people around you? Aren't they beautiful? Every single person you're looking at right now, they've been created in God's image. God's got a purpose, a plan for every single one of those people. You're no more important than they are. They're no more important than you are. God sent his son into the world to save that person. It could even be that they're here today. They don't know Jesus yet, but they're here today and God's pursuing their heart. 
Man, I love that, that he's, he's relentlessly chasing after somebody, their heart, their life here today. And I wonder today, who would God put on your heart to say, hey, I want you to know them so you can care about them, so you can love them. I got, Reggie, I got the best job in the world because I get to be y'all's pastor. I get to know every single one of y'all. I get to care about every single one of y'all. And I love every single one of y'all. I don't know what I did to deserve to have this job in the kingdom. But I'm so thankful for that. If we're going to love each other, we got to know each other. We got to care about each other. And it starts with you. You got to do the work. Is it reasonable to think you're going to know everybody? No. I know it's kind of a big church. To me, it's big. I grew up in a church like 40 people. When I started here, it was 150. I, was, I thought that was huge. Rachel, when they gave me the tour in 1998 of the church at the old campus, they said, come on, we'll get on the elevator. Where I grew up, I grew up in Bibb County. I'm not sure if there's still an elevator in Bibb County. I remember when I finished touring the facility that day, I got home and I called my mom. I said, Mom, this church has an elevator, right? So I know it's getting bigger, and it's not reasonable to think you can know everybody, but you can make the effort to know the people that God is putting on your heart. You can be open and available to say, God, I want to I get outside my bubble. I want to get outside my little inner circle. I don't want to just live out my days here. This path can't be about talking to the same five people every Sunday and generally having the same conversation every single time. That's Groundhog's Day. Come on. God, I want to be open and receptive to relationships because they're my brothers or sisters or they soon will be because you're pursuing their heart to have a relationship with you. Some of y'all, Allison, you know my favorite movie of all time is Remember the Titans. Does anybody know my number two favorite movie of all time? The Sandlot. You said Sandlot, Martha? Way to go, Martha. Take her out to eat today, Scott. That's your prize. You got a prize. You got a free lunch today. The Sandlot. Anybody ever seen The Sandlot? I incorporate The Sandlot into the Bible timeline when I go forever. That's where that's from, right? The Sandlot, it's set back in 1962. This little goofy kid, Scotty Smalls, moves into town. Nobody knows him. He kind of realizes that there's a group of guys in the neighborhood, they play baseball down at the sandlot, and man, they can play. And he's mesmerized by watching them play. He's barely even seen a baseball his entire life. The up-and-coming baseball prodigy named Benny Rodriguez, a.k.a. The Jet, takes notice of Smalls. He befriends him. He gives him a true baseball cap. Gives him a glove. Takes him to the sandlot. Gives him a place to belong. Makes him a part of the team. And I think God knows what I mean when I say, God, would you fill this house with Benny the Jet Rodriguez's? With people who would desire to know somebody to bring them in, to help them find their place so that together they can love one another so that the world would know that we're followers of Jesus. Grace Life, this is the path of following Jesus here. 
It is to worship God. It is to connect with his people. And that's so important. By the way, it's hard to connect in this room in a meaningful way. I mean, this, a couple times when I tell you to do it, Tom, that ain't connecting, brother, right? Like me and Tom, we just got to connect even more than ever. Went on an international trip together. Spent time together. If you're really going to connect with each other, you got to spend time together. The best place that happens around here at Grace Life is in these things called life groups. Life groups. Ty and Wendy, where are y'all at, Ty? There's Ty and Wendy right there. We prayed for them last Sunday in here. Last Sunday morning, their son, Travis, passed away tragically, an auto accident. I was at Ty and Wendy's house this week, sitting there on their beautiful porch, just enjoying being there with them. And they're suffering, they're hurting, they're weeping. And I'm sitting there, right? And you know what Ty and Wendy didn't do? Uh, we're so grateful. We have the best pastor in the world. You're amazing. Pastor Joel, thank you for taking the time to come over here and be with us today. This really means a lot to us. They did not do that. And I'm really glad they didn't. Because instead of doing that, you know what they did? They talked about their life group. They said, we don't know, through tears, weeping, we don't know what we'd do without our life group. We love our life group. And on and on about their life group. You couldn't say anything more exciting to your pastor than to tell me that the body is actually being the body as it relates to each other. That's jet fuel to my soul. I love that. Listen, if you're not connected in a life group, I love you. You're not on the path. That's, the path is to worship and to connect. And meaningful connections don't happen in the big room. They happen in the smaller room. Over time. And some of you want to microwave your relationships, but God's a crockpot kind of God. He doesn't mind. you got to invest. you got to put in the work. Getting to know somebody. Getting to the place you care about somebody. To where you love somebody. That's going to take time. I've been your pastor 19 years. I'm just starting to like some of you. We're working on the whole love piece still, all right? I'm just kidding. Let me tell you some life groups you might want to check out. We'll put this up here for you. Take a picture of it. We got copies of these all out in the concourse. We are better represented across the board in every age group today at Grace Life than we ever have been, ever. I'm so thankful for that. It's a testament to this family's commitment to being connected. A couple of changes. That first blank up there under 20s, average age 20s, Sunday, 9 a.m., it's now full. We got a new group for kind of the 23-ish to 30-ish. They're hanging out in 209.1, about 915-ish. They're an ish kind of group on Sunday mornings. And the college over here, they're no longer at 1030. They just today moved over to the 9 o'clock slot in room 104. But you find a place. There's about 25 options right there. All the age groups. And then at the bottom, there's some all ages, co-ed. There's deeper A, deeper B. This is just open to anybody. And listen, I know this is kind of freaky to some of y'all. I'm with you. I know you look at me up here and think, man, this guy, he's an extrovert. I am not. I am an introvert. Um, I, I, I am more comfortable standing up here because I'm not having to interpersonally hang out with you guys a whole lot right now. 
it's a little harder for me. I do it because I love people and I know I need to do it. But it's a little more outside of my comfort zone, Dennis, to go into that smaller room and have those conversations with people. I do like it, but it's not what's most natural to me. Listen, we can't be driven by what's most natural to us. It's most natural for me to eat Twinkies three meals a day. But I can't be given to that. That's not going to work real well overall, right? So I want to encourage you to find a life group. Get in there. It's the place where it's the antidote to loneliness. You're going to be challenged to grow and to connect. So I want to encourage you to do that. So what's the path? What are we saying? We're family servant missionaries. We worship, we connect, and we serve. We want to serve God's church. You're going to go to lunch, some of you, in a minute. You're going to go to a restaurant. What's the difference when you walk in that restaurant between being the server and the customer. Well, if it's a good server, when you walk in, they're thinking about you. They may not have got any sleep last night. They might have had a sick child, but they showed up to do their job today. And thank the Lord for that, right? And, and they're a good server, so they didn't just show up to do their job, but they're, they're thinking about you right now. They want you to have a good, a good experience. They want things to be right for you. And when you get that server day, you thank them and hey, thank you for showing up. Thank you for what you're doing. I just want to bless you and thank you, and I'm going to tip you really big. I hope you do that. But think about this church every Sunday morning. If everybody that walked through the doors walked through the doors thinking like a customer, how long would you want to go to this church? If everybody that walked through the door was looking around going, what are you going to do for me? This is what I want. Hey, I need some of this. Hey, hey, it's about me. You wouldn't be here long, right? And we're so blessed at Grace Life. I, I can't walk around here on Sundays without just bumping into people that are serving. This morning, I walk out of my office, there's a lady trying to take my blood pressure. True. You don't take my blood pressure on Sundays. <laughs> or Mondays. Maybe Thursday. There, there were people coming early, praise team and choir and the media ministry and the greeters and my this week's deacon and his yoke fellow in my office praying for me and my family and for all of us here in this place today and running the golf cart for people who are having to park out in the overflow. And everywhere you look, man, we had a medical thing that went down and we had people like Derek and people on that team that responding and helping to serve people. People coming with the mentality of, I'm following Jesus. And he said, I came to serve, not to be served. And so I'm here to serve. I want to go to church like Jesus would go to church. This is how Jesus would go to church. He'd go to church to serve because that's Jesus, right? So this is our path. Paula, this is our path to worship and to connect and serve. You can look at the serve part on your worship guide too. Lots of opportunities. Listen, this is not, hey, we want you to do more than you're already doing. I don't want anybody to burn out. I don't want anybody to church themselves to death. All right? We want balance in our life. But if you aren't really sure where you could be serving the Lord, Here's some opportunities. The littles, that's birth through age three, the kids, students, the check-in team, college ministry, band, orchestra, building maintenance. This is a big place, and we, it runs on volunteers mainly. Um, campus grounds crew, cutting the grass and weed eating and running the tractor in the zero turn. Um, choir, creative, that's graphics, photo, video, staging, greeter. We've got the best greeters in the world. Hospitality, meal and snack preparation. A new ministry is launching tonight. And part of that team is cooking the meal for this group of believers, brothers and sisters who are getting together tonight. Love it. 
medical wellness, they will take your blood pressure, men's ministry, production, audio, camera, GFX. I don't even know what that is, but it's important in the kingdom. Lights. <laughs> they told me it is. I trust them. Security, parking, special care. There's families who have special needs in their families. We want to love them and serve them. Women's ministry. So find your place. And if you're like, there's something on my heart that I don't see up there, then you and I need to have a conversation because I want to hear it. That's how ministries get birthed. That's how new things get launched because God sends people here into this family. And they go, hey, we're passionate about this, right? Miss Sundra and our hearing impaired ministry right back there. I mean, she shows up, wavy hands every Sunday. And we're like, what's this lady's deal? We find out she's an interpreter for the deaf. And all of a sudden, we've got people here that are worshiping God with us because God sent somebody to start something new at Grace Life. So maybe that's why God sent you here because he's called you and enabled you and equipped you and empowered you to let us follow you into some new territory here to advance the kingdom of God. So what is the path to following Jesus here? It is to worship him and to connect and to serve And it is to go and to make disciples. This is why the Holy Spirit came, Don, that we would be empowered by him to be witnesses for Jesus out in this world. And I'm so thankful. The way I'm seeing this happen right here locally from neighborhoods and right around our communities, what you do with Save a Life and what you do with the Grace Place. and People were out here, life groups were out here in the parking lot last Saturday building baby beds so that foster children have a decent bed that they can sleep in. I love that. So many amazing things. Life groups have been crushing so many great things happening right here in our own communities, our own neighborhoods. And then across North America, because we're partnered up with this thing called the North American Mission Board, where we get to to help support about 5,000 missionaries. People like the Leahy's, a couple, a sweet couple who identified a community in North America, y'all, where there hasn't been a Bible-believing church present for over 100 years. And they said, God, that's where we'll plant our life. We'll put a lighthouse in that place, and they're serving the Lord and starting a church in a place where one has not been, right here in our own continent, for the last 100 years. We're passionate about our neighbors. We're passionate about North America. We're also passionate about the nations. You know why we're passionate about the nations? Because Jesus is passionate about the nations. One day he's going to bring in people from every tongue and tribe and nation to worship him before his throne. Right now over in South Asia, one of our own, little Madison, who's grown up here. She's serving with our international mission board, South Asia. Preparing to tell people groups that have never heard the name of Jesus about Jesus, and don't you think she's going to be the last kid that God raises up out of this church family to go to faraway places to tell people about Jesus, maybe even some of us old folks. In fact, I'm going to get to go over later this year. I'm going to get to visit Madison on on y'all's behalf just to love her and encourage her and to pray with her and spend time with her and see what God is doing, and that's so incredibly exciting. I'm so thankful that we get to be a part of that. Now, some more straight talk, Grace Life family. The path is to worship and connect and to serve and to go. And and go means we're going to pray for people to know Jesus. We're going to go ourselves. Now, you may not go to South Asia, but you'll go to the grocery store this week. That's an opportunity, right, to share and show the love of Jesus to somebody. You're going to go to school this week. Doing missions is not what we do. It's who you are. 
You'll go to work as a missionary. You'll go to school as a missionary. You'll go to the ballpark as a missionary because that's who we are. It's not what we do. It's simply who we are. Who we are is rooted in who God is and what God does. And so we want to pray toward that, and we want to go into that, whatever that may look like, wherever that may be, and we want to give toward that. And this is where Grace Life, we, we need to make up some lost ground when it comes to supporting missions financially. 82 cents a day. 82 cents a day. I don't know anybody in this room that has any sort of income stream that couldn't set aside 82 cents a day. I don't think anybody's going to argue that with me. You, we got high school kids working part-time jobs after school that they would not miss 82 cents a day. Don't lie to me, high school kids. I see your iPhone 14. I know you're over there buying fancy drinks at Starbucks, all right? 82 cents a day is nothing. 82 cents a day is $25 a month. Today, today, if 400 people who came to church here today said, I'm going to give the Lord 82 cents a day, $25 a month, and I'm going to do it for 12 months, in a year's time, that's going to be $120,000 that we're going to get to invest in telling people and showing people the love of Jesus right here in our neighborhoods, all across this state all across North America and to faraway places like where Madison is this morning. Here's how you can do it. Normally I say, wait and do this later, but I'm not saying that now. Do it now. You're going to go to yourgracelife.com slash give, and you're going to see this, and then you're going to cruise on down. And you just saw Madison, by the way. That was in Belize several years ago. And you got some different... Offerings here. There's World Impact Offering. This is what this is about. 82 cents a day to the World Impact Offering. You say, I want to give now. I hope you got your iPhone 14 out right now. All right? And you're going to put in your $25. Don't do pastor appreciation. I'm already overappreciated. World Impact Offering is what you're going to click on. And then you're going to click on regularly. When you do that, it's going to give you the option how regularly to do it. You're going to set it and forget it, man. $25 a month. Next 12 months. Do this today. Do not delay. This is the path, grace life. Why, why are we about this? I love this verse, Matthew 24, 14. Jesus said, when the gospel is preached to all the nations, then the end will come. We used to say around here, let's get it done and go home. I think we ought to bring that back. Let's get it done and go home. Let's get the gospel to all the nations. Because then Jesus is coming back. 82 cents a day. Let's get it done, and I pray you'll get that done today. $120,000 over the next 12 months. This is the path, Grace Life, of following Jesus around here. We're a family of servant missionaries. Worship, connect, serve, and go. And I am so encouraged to hear so many of you sharing your heart with me to say, I feel like there's a fresh call that God is massaging into my heart these days. That excites me. And I'll be honest, I'm right there with you. Something kind of shifted in my heart on our last staff retreat. And I'm so grateful that you guys allow us to do those things together as a staff. But God did something in my heart on that staff retreat. And it was almost kind of like he sort of renewed his call on my life. But it's, it's different now. It's different in this season of my life. It's different in this season 
here at Grace Life. I've pastored one church 19 years, but there's been about five different churches that we've been along the way. In the early days, it was for me, it was highly relational. You know, it wasn't that big. And I could, on a regular basis, have meaningful conversations with most everybody about God. And I miss those days. We're at a place today where it's impossible for me to have meaningful conversations with all of you on a regular basis about God. But I am learning to have meaningful conversations with God about you on a regular basis. See, there's a path of following Jesus here for all of us, and I've laid out for you my expectations for you, for me, for us, to worship, connect, serve, and go. But here's what you ought to expect of me as your lead pastor, not senior pastor. You should expect that I'm going to lead you, that I'm going to lead us. I don't do it by myself. I'm blessed with great pastors and staff and deacons and leaders in the church. But it starts with me. If God says this is the path to worship and to connect, serve and go, and God's called me to lead us. Brother Jimmy, you know what that's like. I know nobody can pray for me like you can pray for me. You get it. So I want to ask you to pray that God would give me the grace that I could lead us well on this path. The second thing God's called me to do that you ought to expect of me is not only to lead, but to feed, to feed his sheep. And every week, I want to stand and I want to give you the undiluted word of God every single week. And I would covet your prayers that you would pray, God, keep our pastor faithful to your word. Just drown him in your word. I would be so grateful to have your prayers toward that. You should expect your patent. Right now, I'm just the guy holding the office. It could be a different guy holding this office next week. But you ought to expect. I hope it's not. But you ought to expect whoever God puts in this office, they're going to lead. And they're going to feed. And third, they're going to intercede. That means they're going to pray for these people. And this is something God's teaching me right now. Because I can't have the meaningful conversations with all of you every day about God. But God is teaching me to have meaningful conversations about you to God every day. Before most of you woke up today, I had already prayed for you by name. Over the last couple of weeks, I've prayer walked about 50 miles praying for all of you by name. And the children who live in your homes who don't know Jesus yet, this has been such a joy for me to get to do that. I have not been an interceding pastor like I should for most of my career. I probably felt like I could sort of manage it on my own a lot, you know. But it's way past that now. And the truth of the matter is, he's a far better shepherd than me. At least twice a day, I'm praying for you and everybody in your house by name. Sometimes more than that. And God is blessing my, my heart and my soul because of that. I want you to know that's what you ought to expect from me. That's, that's the path I think God's called me to walk as your pastor. To lead and to feed and to intercede. I can't do all the things, but i got to do those three things. If I drop one of those, Roy, I'm off the path. 
So today, God's saying this is the path for all of us to follow Jesus, to worship him, to connect with his people, to serve his church, and to go and represent him all over the world. So I hope you've been filling out that card, or maybe you're doing it electronically. You see all these right up here on my, right here? There's a bunch of them. These are all from the first hour. So we're about to get y'alls. I need some boys and girls to come help me. Come on, here we go. Here we go. Good, good, good. What's up? What's your name, Presley? Amen. What's your name, Jane? Cool. You know how I knew that? I prayed for y'all this morning. What's your name, Kale? What's your name, Ava? Is your daddy home from Germany? I saw him back there. What's up? All right, everybody. So you, this side of them, y'all are gonna help me over here. Come down here. Y'all gonna pass your little tabs right over here. Pass them right over here. Same thing up in the nosebleeds like that. Over here on this side, passing this way. Y'all gonna, I, I got an army of y'all up here. Y'all up here now, he gonna know all our names? Almost, almost. Working on it. All right, so I want you guys to go down this side and go up the stairs, go get everybody's cards. You guys on this side, y'all do the same thing. Go down those aisles. They're going to hand you the card. If they look at you and they don't hand you something, you look right back at them. All right, go, 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 go. If they hand you money, you bring it to me. (laughs) Hey, before we sing, can I put the last, can I put the, Bullseye up there, because I just want to remind you what the whole bullseye said. I'm running out of time today. How many of you Grace Life people remember when this used to hang on the walls at the old place? Who are we? We're a family of servant missionaries. What do we do? We worship, connect, serve, go. That's the path. How do we do this? We trust Jesus, and we treasure Jesus supremely. It's the only way to get this done. Why do we do this? For his glory and our joy. The two go hand in hand. If you're not living for his glory, you ain't got no joy. You got joy, it's because you're living for his glory. And how long are we going to do this, Grace Life? How long? Until he comes. How many of you believe he's coming back? But how many of you know he's got one plan and one plan only between now and the time he comes back? Did you know that? His plan is for the church to be the body of Christ in a lost, in a hurting, in a broken world. How many of you know that is plan A and there is no plan B? It's you and me, church. And Jesus said, here's the path. Let's walk it out. Just lay them right there. Great job, everybody. Great job. Great job. Well, they working y'all over good. I can see it. Come on. This is the plan. So let the church rise. Amen? Amen? Come on. Let's stand, church. Let's worship the Lord. Let's give him our hearts, affection, our minds, attention. A new day has come. Let's get on that path. Let's stay on that path. And let's follow Jesus all the way home.